from Proverbs on your outline so that you can follow along. Now, before we get going, though, if you're in primary school, at the back there are some sheets colouring in, word fine things, that type of thing that you might want to get up right now and grab and then come back and sit with mum and dad. You can stay on the floor, but we're trying to sit together so we're not creating a crazy space at the back. So if you're in primary school, go grab, grab one of those. <laughs> and uh, what's so funny? Oh, that's okay. That's all right. That's all right. That's what happens sometimes. Yeah. All right. If you're watching at home, it's a good time while you're waiting to get a cup of tea or a coffee or something like that. That'd be good. Or a glass of wine. Whatever you like. So Proverbs chapter 2, and um, have that open in front of you. I, I wonder, it, it, it's a fun scene. I, I do still watch a fair bit of Seinfeld. Um, can't help myself, really. And I do like the character of George. I love his line there. Every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. Now, that's typical of George. I hope that's not the way you feel about the decisions that you've made. But some days we go through uh, a certain day and you think, you know what, everything turned out really badly. I made the wrong decision at every single point. Um, oh, maybe not. How do we go about making decisions? Should we just go on instinct or, um, or should we spend a day, as uh, George has done, and do the opposite? I can't imagine if I did that, my day would work out pretty, that well. I think it would go particularly badly. How do we make wise decisions as followers of Jesus? But first, what, what type of decision maker are you? Uh, that's the first um, question we would like to ask. And uh, just get that going. Ta-da! There you go. I uh, actually, sorry, all these things I'm remembering as we get going. We're going to have a Q&A at the end. So if you've got a question, a word of encouragement, something you pick up on, you want to be reminded of or ask about, at the end. So what sort of decision maker are you? I, I think there are three types of poor decision makers. Maybe at times you are one of these. I think at times I am one of these, but I won't tell you which one. You can guess if you like. There's the procrastinator. Now, I really don't like procrastinators. They really, I don't know, get, up my, get on my nerves a bit. But um, I'm going to tell you about them later on. Um, come on, that was funny. See, procrastinators? Yeah. yeah. Got a much better laugh at 8am for some reason. Um, so, procrastinators, what do they do? They Procrastinators, and I'll just unplug that. There we go. Goodness me, it's all happening this evening. Hello, welcome back. Um, the procrastinators... camera fell over because I was mucking around with this. Okay, so what do procrastinators do? They're open to discussion, uh, distractions, uh, 
they put it off, they do everything else but make the decision. Like, tomorrow is the best time you had to do everything that you plan to do today. That's the procrastinator, right? There's a few people nodding, yeah, I've done that. Uh, there's the too early, so the premature decision maker. Um, it, 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 they're so super eager to get on with it, they tick, the, tick that box off that they just, but they don't really think about what they're doing. A few of you in this room, maybe. Um, and then there's the paralysed. We, we hold off and hold off, waiting for the perfect environment to make a decision. Everything's got to be right. In fact, we might even be waiting around for a special word from God so we can make the right decision. And I'll get back to that in a minute as well. Now, there are problems with all three. Uh, some Christians, this is what some one author wrote, some Christians need encouragement to think before they act. Other Christians need encouragement to act before they think. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. So whatever the case, making decisions needs wisdom. Now, wisdom is exactly what we'll need over the next four weeks. Because as we start a, a new series, and I've just called this series Addicted To, we're going to be looking at some very tricky topics, uh, difficult topics. Uh, topics such as uh, gambling. How does a Christian make decisions about gambling, uh, alcohol, pornography? And then finally we'll finish off with thinking about envy and where that fits in and what the Bible says about that. We're going to need godly wisdom. We're going to need to make decisions that are, are Christ-like decisions. So, the book of Proverbs tells us plainly, wisdom and decision-making are inextricably linked. They go together, hand in glove. So we're going to spend a bit of time on Proverbs today and you can see that on your outlines and I've given you the, a lot of passages there to look, look at as well. Where do we get this wisdom then? Where do we get it? Well, if you turn back with me to Proverbs chapter 2, if you've got that in front of you, that, that's great. I want you to notice, and you might have noticed this as it was read through for us, notice the if and then construction of the chapter. So, I'm not, I've, I've got just verses 1 to 6 up there, and we're going to focus on 1 to 3 later on. But if you've got your Bible there, have a look with me. I'm going to shoot some verses at you. So, in other words, there's this if and then construction. If you do this, you'll get wisdom. So, verse 2, if you accept my words and you call out for insight, verse 3, and if you look for wisdom as for silver, verse 4, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Now, we already know, because we know Proverbs pretty well, Proverbs 1 verse 7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So it's touched on again in chapter 2. And then you understand, in verse 9, what is right and just and fair. Notice the if and then. Verses 5 to 11 also show us everything you have when you get wisdom. So you have, verses 5 and 6, understanding and knowledge. Uh, you have protection, verse 8. And a good path, verse 9. But just as important as having wisdom, uh, just as important, I should say, having wisdom keeps you from real dangers. So the second half of chapter 2 of Proverbs 2 speaks of these dangers of, well, foolishness, of not having wisdom. So wisdom will keep you from wicked men, verse 12. From dark ways, verse 13. From crooked paths, verse 15. Wisdom will keep you from the adulterous woman with her seductive speech, adulterous man, uh, verse 16. And verse 20, wisdom is the path of righteousness, while foolishness is the path of death. So one brings life and one brings death. And that's right at the end of the chapter, verse 20, or 18, 19, 20. So how do we get this valuable wisdom? How do we get it? 
Well, Proverbs 1 to 3, I think, give us three ways, or shows us three ways where we get this wisdom from God. The first one we find in verse 1, and that's the, uh, the first main point in our outline. Store up my commands with you. The first way to get wisdom is to store up God's commands. We read our Bibles. We read our Bibles. Not complicated. We hear from God. We remember what God says to us. Now, we don't read out of context. That's really important, isn't it? Uh, We don't just close our eyes, plonk our finger down and and say, actually, it reminds me of this classic Christian joke of a man who was hoping to get a word from the Lord. Uh, He happened to turn to Matthew 27, verse 5, where it says, Judas went out and hanged himself. He wasn't very happy with that word for the day, and so he flipped again and fingers, closed his fingers, put his finger down, and uh, his eyes descended on Luke 10, verse 37, which of course says, uh, what Jesus said to them, go and do likewise. So, yeah. Context is key, isn't it? Context is key. We can't do this and put our finger down. Um, Friends, God's word's living and active. When we read the Bible, we hear from God with a confidence we find in no other book from no other voice. Friends, God's word is always relevant because it's God's word. It's from God. And there's no true wisdom without it. 2 Peter 1 tells us that in the, in, uh, in the Bible we have all we need for life and godliness. We can read the Bible knowing that this is what the Holy Spirit says. And as we read and study and digest the scriptures, well, 2 Timothy 3.15 tells us it makes us... God's word makes us wise for salvation. But the Bible's not a recipe book. I know a little bit about recipe books because I've been cooking of late and I like to follow recipes, but the Bible's not like that. It's not a list of step-by-step instructions to follow in all of life's circumstances. So it won't help you. It won't find, you won't, I should say, you won't find explicit details on buying a house or buying a car. Should I buy the Porsche or the Ferrari? And that's not, I hope you're not thinking about that sort of thing. Um, But what career should I have? Uh, What church to go to? How I should drive my car? The Bible doesn't give us a step-by-step list of instructions of those things. Instead, what God wants is transformation of our hearts. He wants change here. That's what he wants. Not some external obedience He wants us to know him intimately so that his thoughts become our thoughts. So that his ways become our ways. His affections, our affections. What he loves, we love. What he hates, we hate. That's wisdom. Our wills shaped by God's will. Now, have a look. I've got it on your sheet. I've I've got it up here as well. Romans 12, 1-2 tells us, explains that, and describes the type of spiritual transformation that God desires in us. I'll read it through. So Paul writes, the church at Rome, these Christians there, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
I wonder, wonder if you can see up there or, or in front of you, can you see these three commands that Paul gives? First one is, present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's our spiritual act of worship. Now, our bodies, of course, means all of us. Our, our head, our heart, all of us. Second, do not conform to the world. And third, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if we do these things, then we'll be able to discern what God's will is, Romans 12 says. You get a bit of a taste of what it means to do God's will. We offer ourselves to him, we turn from the ways of the world, and we be transformed. That's wisdom. When it comes to decision-making, sometimes, though, we get a bit confused and even troubled by trying to find God's will and wondering if this is God's will or that's God's will. Perhaps we even do wait for a sign or some confirmation from God to tell us that this is God's will and going this direction is what God wants me to do but going that way isn't. But the thing is, God is so much more gracious and kind than that. He's not some sneaky God who's hiding his will from us. Not at all. God simply says, well, he tells us plainly what his will is and then he says, go and make decisions. Go and make decisions. God's will for us is clear. Now, I've given you the, on your outline there, I've just given you some references you're going to follow up later on. But let me go through them quickly as, as we have an example. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. God's will is to live holy, set-apart lives. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. What's God's will? Well, I'm just quoting. God's will is to rejoice, pray and give thanks. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 9. God's will is to be known so we can bear fruit and know him better. Uh, Ephesians 5, 17. God, the will of God is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So putting it simply, what does it mean to follow God's will? It means your growth in Christ-likeness. You're becoming more like Jesus. That's what it means. Transformed to be more like Jesus, using those words from Romans 12. And to do that, we need to store up his commands within us. We need to hear from Jesus. We need to hear from God. Uh, to, to drink his word and swallow it down, to digest it. I've, um, uh, I've never been into wine tasting. I've never done any wine tasting at all. It's wasted on me. Don't invite me to such things. I'll just have a beer. Um, even though for eight years, actually, we lived down the road from Camberwara Winery. Like, just down the road there. We dro I drove past it almost every day, rode past it, walked past it. Never went in. I don't think we ever went in once. Um, once. I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> I don't think, I can't remember anyway. I, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big wine drinker. Uh, although I do, on a winter's night, in front of the fire, with a bit of nice dark chocolate and a red wine, yes, I'll cope with that. That'll be nice. I'll, I'll enjoy that. But I do have friends who consider themselves uh, very knowledgeable on the topic. In fact, they're, very, they're quite happy to share that knowledge with me um, whenever the opportunity arises, even if I ask for it or not. Isn't that great? Um, over the years, these friends of mine have sipped, they've spat out. What do they do? They've gurgled it, they've sloshed it around their mouths. They've got such a taste for it. Um, their taste buds know what good wine is you know, as soon as it comes across their lips and they, they develop a taste for it. They can tell you the quality of the wine, they can tell you roughly how much it might cost, they can tell you where it's made, uh, what 
I don't know, I'm, not, I'm obviously clearly not an expert on this at all, but what region it's from, it's amazing. The grapes even. That's what we are to be with the Word of God. So we read it, we drink it, we swallow it. What else do they do? We digest it so regularly that over time we develop a taste for godliness. We develop a taste for God's thoughts becoming my thoughts. What he loves, I love. What he hates, I hate. And we only do that by digesting and swallowing and and, uh, reading the word of God. We develop a thirst for Christ-likeness and the result is wisdom. So, those who are wise, they read scripture, they memorise it. The wise love to hear it read. The wise love to hear it taught. The wise love to hear it sung. But the wise also know that you need to read the Bible in in community. You need to listen to what other Bible-believing Christians are saying. And so that's the second way we get wisdom. Uh, It's back to Proverbs chapter 2 again. This is the one we have to look in your Bible. But if we want to make wise decisions, well, we need to seek advice and counsel from others. So that's our second little point there, and you can see it up in the screen. Uh, Turning your ear to wisdom. Listen to sound advice. We turn our ear to what's wise, sound advice. Now, we're going to need that. In fact, I think anyone who uh, is addicted to something, as we think about this in the next few weeks, needs that. But a great mistake, by the way, is to say that, oh, those people there are addicted to alcohol, gambling, pornography, whatever it might be. That's, That's not me. There would be a mistake to say, that's them, that's me. What we all need to understand is that um, we all need to listen to sound advice. And when it comes to addiction, one of the things we'll we'll learn as well is that you can't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. So let's let's think about this um, listening to sound advice for a few minutes, turning your ear to wisdom. On your sheet there, I've given you four passages straight up, um, which which remind us, teach us a bit more about uh, listening to sound advice. Proverbs 1 verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. So let them hear. Wise people listen. And the one who understands obtain guidance. Uh, 11 verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But an abundance of counsellors, there is safety. 19 verse 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction, that you may gain wisdom in the future. Uh, Proverbs 13 verse 10. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. I think there's two things worth pointing out as we think about this, uh, this listening to sound advice, turning your ears to wisdom. The first one is being teachable is essential to wisdom as we listen to sound advice. So are you someone who is willing to change your mind? Are you someone who, when another person's case has more merit than yours, you're willing to say, oh, that's, that's a, I didn't think of that, that's a good point, thank you. Um, are you able to take on good advice? Wisdom is about increasing in learning, knowing that you don't know everything. (laughs) Don't miss the fact that turning your ears to wisdom also shows humility, doesn't it? Uh, Christian maturity, Christ-likeness, being more like Jesus. I'm willing to listen to someone else and take on what they've said. 
Uh, a, a book that I mention pretty much every second sermon, I believe, um, is this one. Uh, if you haven't read this book, you should. Uh, it's great, really good on decision-making and, and how does God guide us. And it, the, the authors explain there's three... Well, they, they, they go for three types of decisions that we make. Um, I start at the bottom, matters of triviality. Well, that's, um, you know, what jeans do I wear today? You know, who really cares? There, there are those decisions, it doesn't really matter much. What colour should my car, my car be? It doesn't matter. Um, although I wouldn't buy a pink car. Uh, that's just my... But it's OK if you do. Fine. Then there are matters of, um, of righteousness. Now, we can usually work those ones out. Uh, should I have an affair? No. The Bible's very, very clear. Okay. Uh, matters of righteousness. If you're a Christian person, these aren't particularly difficult. Should I go and murder someone? No. Uh, God's word is clear. So, but some of our decisions, the one in the middle now, some of our decisions will be matters of good judgment. How should I spend my retirement? Uh, what sort of job should I have? What church should I go to? How should I spend my money? It's these decisions where we need good advice good Christian friends and a good church and the result is wisdom. So there are these, uh, the second thing worth pointing out I guess as we consider listening to sound advice and perhaps it goes without saying but I think we ought to say it anyway, we ought to seek good advice, (laughs) good advice, so not just advice that I want to hear but advice that I need to hear. There's a difference isn't there? So back on your sheets again, Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but the wise person listens to advice. Listening to someone who will bring a different perspective than you. There's that humility and Christ-likeness, Christian maturity. Now, I think it was on Wednesday, Michelle and I spent a considerable amount of time uh, trying to find an example, a, a good story, you know, a personal anecdote, someone pretty well known that we can relate to in some ways, who's some sort of personality, who listened to hard advice. Right? It was hard to hear. It was difficult, it was good, hard to hear, and, but it was good for them. Okay? And uh, it was hard advice, it's hard to hear because it challenges their ways. They have to, it challenges their pride. Right? That's why it's hard to hear. But we couldn't find many at all. Now, maybe it was, well, you know, Michelle's pretty good at this. She does it for almost for a living. Um, <laughs> it's part of being a journalist. But we, and I was searching away on our Google searches, but we really couldn't find any decent stories at all. And we started to wonder why. Now, at this point, I'm going to quote Michelle. So I'm just going to quote what she wrote to me in an email. But I didn't tell you I was going to do this. But So you might want to, no, it was, it was good. That's why I'm quoting it. Thank you. Um, So this is what Michelle said. Uh, Taking advice, especially hard or unwelcome advice, is very much against the spirit of our age, if a Google search is anything to go by. All we could find were hundreds of stories about people who defied advice so as to follow their heart or to live their dreams. There were supposedly, these were supposedly inspirational stories about people who believed in themselves and succeeded. Well, Michelle writes, good for them. But I'm sure they don't write upbeat stories about people who followed their dreams and failed miserably. Although I suspect there are more of them. I think, again, she's right. 
The articles about following advice that we did find were almost exclusively about finances and self-help, so money and happiness. Now, that very much is the spirit of our age. There you go. So she's pretty smart, but don't tell her that, will you? All right? Just, no, it's, um, <laughs> no it's, re- it's very true, isn't it? Uh, that's the spirit of our age. Uh, I can do it myself. Oh, I've done it again. It's going to be a rugged video. Sorry at home. Um, that, that's the spirit of our age, isn't it? It's this, this I, can, I can follow my heart. I, if I believe in myself, I can do it. I'm going to ignore the advice. They're all wrong. It's like those... You know, we used to love those Australian Idol um, auditions. You remember, if you're old enough, you might remember those. But, but everyone got a chance to audition in front of the famous judges. But some of them had no hope at all. They were not very good singers at all. But they would get up and say, I'm a fantastic singer, I'm, I'm awesome, um, I don't care what you experts think of me, I'm just going to sing my heart out. And they were awful. They didn't listen to advice. They weren't very good at singers. And of course, they, they actually failed miserably. But that's a bit of the spirit of our age. So what does the Bible say, though? In contrast to that, the Bible says, turn your ear to wisdom, seek sound advice, not just people who agree with you, not just what you want to hear. Or, uh, God says, there's a reason why he saved a lot of us, because you do less dumb things when you talk to each other. There you go. Okay, let's go to the third one, and we'll sort of finish here. Uh, Pray, we call out for insight. That's the last little phrase, or the middle phrase of uh, verse 3. We call out for insight. We pray to God for understanding, and then apply it to our lives. We pray for wisdom, that you'll make decisions that will help you to be more like Jesus. You pray for things that you already know are God's will. What do we know that God's will is? Well, we know God's will is trusting him, obedience to his word, gospel conversations, seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness. Prayer will also also check my motives. And God knows my motives. It's true, isn't it? We can be fake, not honest with some people, even friends, not really tell the whole truth. But we know deep down he can't get away with that with God. We pray honestly with God. Can't fool him. And so Proverbs 16 verse 2, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So what's what's driving your decisions? What are your motives? What do you want to get out of it and why? Wisdom says check your motives and pursue righteousness. So Proverbs 21 verses 1 to 3, in the Lord's hand the king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So if you're ever wondering what decision to make, which way to go, what to do, what to pray, what's the answer? We pursue what is right and just. There's another Bible word for that, righteousness. We pursue righteousness. We seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That is the will of God for us as followers of Jesus. How should I deal with the demands of children, work and marriage? Pursue righteousness. How should I study university, school, whatever? Well, the answer is pursue righteousness. Uh, New job with greater responsibilities? Pursue righteousness. Investment decisions. How do I 
do with my money? Ah, pursue righteousness. Our motive as we pray is to pursue righteousness. Thinking about church, where do I serve? Should I come this week? Pursue righteousness. That's wisdom. Uh, a drink after work with a colleague of the opposite sex that you're not married to, uh, just the two of you, pursue righteousness. Think about how you spend your retirement uh, or, or think about university next year. Pursue righteousness. We can go on and on. All right, let's tie a few things together. What have we said so far about wisdom? How do we get it? Well, verse 1 said, study the scriptures. Store up God's commands. Uh, Verse 2 said, listen to good advice. Not just advice I like to hear, but advice I need to hear. Turn your ear to wisdom and call out to God. We ought to pray. Prayer checks our motives. Then you understand what is right and just and fair, every good path, the way of the wise. Proverbs 16 verse 3 says, commit to the Lord... uh, Whatever you do and your plans will succeed. Uh, Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Sometimes we can be hesitant about making a decision. We can be a procrastinator. Uh, Sometimes we can be paralysed about making a decision. But if we're in the word of God, if we've talked to our friends, sought good advice, we've prayed, well then... Make a decision. Give it a go. Have a crack. Make a decision. Kevin DeYoung uh, has written a great, he's an American guy, a great book just called Do Something. Just Do Something. Um, it's actually targeted particularly at young, young adult Americans um, who were just doing nothing. Um, <laughs> Christian men, but they were just making no decision at all. Just do something. Take a risk even. If you're doing those things... Uh, Being in the word of God, talking to good Christian friends, praying, well, being transformed to be more like Jesus. If you're doing doing the will of God, be ambitious for Jesus in your decisions. Pursue righteousness. If you're the decision maker who puts things off or is paralysed, waiting for the perfect environment, stop being so safe. Uh, Be ambitious for Jesus. If it doesn't work out, we haven't haven't missed God's will. Uh, God doesn't promise a life of um, a bed of roses and lollipops and smiles. Uh, God is in control. Keep trusting him. Seek first his kingdom. He's a good God who loves you and sent his son to die for you and all the bad decisions that we've ever made. (laughs) It's good, isn't it? Let's pray and then we'll get a chance to um, share with each other if we like. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Uh, Thank you for your word and we thank you, God, that... um, uh, Lord, we can, we, we can trust you. Lord, we thank you that we have um, a church where we can talk to Christian friends and make good decisions. We pray that you'd help us be more Christ-like and Lord, we pray that we would pray. Um, Lord, thank you for church today. In Jesus' name, amen.